As a founder, when was the last time you asked yourself, how much should I actually be working? Probably never, because the answer is obvious, 24-7, right? On today's Startup Therapy podcast, we're going to dig into the startup culture notion that more hours equal more growth. But while there's definitely truth to that assumption, we'll explore how to think quality and not quantity when it comes to your weekly punch card. This is Ryan Rutan from Startups.com, back for another episode of Startup Therapy Podcast, joined as always by Will Schroeder, my partner and CEO. Will, let's talk about how much we should be working. I know, I know how much we are working. <laughs> I know practice. how much we are working. <laughs> like, let's, let's talk about how much we should be working, because I think there's a difference there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, like, look, the, the mantra among startups is, you know, work ourselves into the ground, right? And... It, whether you're listening to Jack Ma or Gary V or all these or Elon Musk, you know, all these super successful people saying yeah. that the, the right thing to do is work every waking hour. I mean, Jack Ma was calling for that, right? I mean, he literally, yeah. literally, was literally calling for a longer work week, if you will. And and it's this source of nobility, right? You know, if you're willing to work every waking hour, you're you're more committed, you're more ambitious, you know, it's a sign of progress, right? But I got to tell you, as, as one of the reformers of the work every waking hour movement, <laughs> right? you know, I, it's bullshit. I, I, I don't, I don't know how else to, to encapsulate it in a TLDR moment, but it's a bunch of shit. Nobody can work that many hours productively. I don't care who you are. It just, not only can it not be done, it's a terrible, terrible approach to take. And I think today, let's spend some time to explain why in, 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 a, in an industry where working every waking hour seems to be what's considered the norm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, th- I think like go, go back in time and, you know, go back in time and figure out where did this stuff come from, right? These, these baselines came out of the, the industrial movement, right? And so when you have this strong correlation between hours standing on an assembly line and the output, right? Like if you can turn 280 screws per hour, every additional hour you work, assuming you can keep turning that screw, means more output. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And, but the reality is that in the role of a founder, right, we're not, we're a few screws loose, but we're not (laughs) tightening them, right? We're not standing and turning them on on an assembly line. And so I think that, you know, there's this huge, huge miscalculation in terms of our ability to do the things that we need to be able to do over that extended period of time. Right. And and I want to be really clear about where I'm coming from on this one. So I was at the far end of the spectrum for nearly 20 years, right? So this isn't me saying, hey, I think people should work less. You know, uh, I don't want to work a lot. So other people shouldn't, you know, work a lot either. Uh, <laughs> I've never worked more than 12 hours a week in my life. And yeah, like, this furthest thing from it. So quick backstory. When I started my first company at 19, I worked every waking hour. And people exaggerate when they say that. Or sometimes they get like a fuzzy memory of what actually happened, you know, some revisionist history. Right. This ain't that. I worked seven days a week, 365 days a year. I took no holidays. I took no weekends. I didn't even celebrate Christmas. I didn't see my family for three years. I mean, I didn't come home for holidays. I worked through every possible 
uh, outcome. If I was sick, if I Happiest wasn't sick. Happiest time of your life, right? Well, <laughs> you know, it, in all fairness, and this is going to sound antithetical, it was. I was so excited about what I was doing. You know, I was starting one of the first internet yep. companies back then, and you couldn't pull me away. I mean, I was that excited. So to be clear, it wasn't like I just had this incredible work ethic, you know, and I was yeah. just willing to work so hard. I had a good work ethic, but I was just really excited about what I was doing. However, even as the company started to do better and as we started to grow, et cetera, I didn't change my hours that much, right? And, and the two things I always remember, number one, I've never gone to work or come home in daylight. <laughs> Think about what yeah. that means. <laughs> it didn't even occur yep. to me that you could show up for work and have it still be daylight or leave and have it still be daylight. All right. So I just, I was just always first car in, last car to leave. And on average, I was probably leaving at 11 o'clock or midnight for like 20 years. Right. Yeah. Now, so, so I just, I just want to put that out there. So the folks that are working their asses off or maybe, you know, maintaining the same hours or like, hey, this guy doesn't know what it means to put in hours. Fuck that. Right. Yeah. I absolutely know what it means to put in those hours. I'm yeah. here to say, holy shit, that was a waste of time. Right. Yeah. And that's, go and counter that's, that's to my entire real, investment. Issue, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And Ryan, I'm sure you're no stranger to putting the, you know, it's crazy hours yourself. Right. And, and you look back at it and say, yeah. shit, that was a lot of my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of my life. And, and in hindsight, when you're really honest with yourself and you think about how I was spending the hours and the alternatives that did exist for getting that same amount of work done, um, either by somebody else or by deferring it, like it didn't all have to happen at the same time. It certainly didn't all need to be me. Um, but like you said, and it was the same for me, right? We're both starting companies very young. Um, so a, we just had more energy. Right? I didn't need to sleep as much. Those days, um, I didn't have a family. Long gone, <laughs> man. Like I don't know that I can sleep enough now. It's the opposite. <laughs> like, right. Not sure there are enough hours in the day to get enough sleep. Right. Um, and and so you know it was the same kind of thing. And I was I was going to school at the same time, so I was literally like jumping from running company to trying not to completely screw up my my graduation timeline. All this other stuff. It was just it was constant. Interestingly enough. The focus that came with that was pretty powerful. And I had some of my best quarters at school and best performance uh, within the company at the times where like, I literally couldn't think about anything else. So there is, there, is a, there is a focus component to this, but the amount of energy that I was spending and the return on the hours as you go from like 40 to 60 and as you approach that 80 hour mark, the return on those hours was pathetic. Like if I, if I had hired the second half of me I would have fired myself immediately because <laughs> that 40 plus, I think the, the productivity was just shit, right? It was stuff that probably didn't really need to be done or could have been done at a different time. And like the number of hours it would take me to complete a task once I was, you know, it's like three o'clock in the morning and you're still bleary eyed trying to like code up some simple form on a website and it's just not working because you've just don't have the mental <laughs> capacity at that point to think. Yeah, it just, it wasn't worth it. Absolutely I think, wasn't worth it. I think there's a lot of factors at play. First off, you know, when we were starting our businesses in the 90s, which was even, you know, pretty far along in, in the development of how businesses got started, we were just starting to get access to things like the internet. I feel like it's a relic saying this, where you could look up the things <laughs> you, you know, need right? to know, right? Yeah. Whereas like back then, I can't believe it, as soon as you start to have to start things with back then, you already know you're old. But back then, if you wanted to start an LLC, you had to go find an attorney. You had to go, like they had to go through the process. Now I can get one done by the end of this podcast. To find him. <laughs> right? 
right, 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 right. And so all of the things you needed to do took so much more time than they do now, right? So, yeah. but this is what started to really great at me later in my career. I said, look, man, I, I get it when I'm in, say, my, my uh, I'm 19, 20, 25, where I'm at a point where I know nothing. So everything yeah. I have to do requires 10x the effort, right? I've, I don't yep. know what the hell a pro forma income statement is, so I've got to go learn that, right? And that's just a ton of cycles. But here's the thing. Later in my career, where I started to already know those things, but I'm still spending these extraordinary hours, yeah. I started to ask myself, I'm like, why am I spending just as many hours as I was spending before when I already know the answers to stuff that I thought was taking me all this extra time? That's right. And and it manifested in a whole bunch of areas. But what it really came down to was I built a habit of work take, takes lots of hours. And so I just grew to the size of my fishbowl, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. It, just, and then you, took, you assume that never changes. Right. And it took me a while. It took me a long, well, way too long. And this is why I'm hoping folks listening to this start to listen really closely to this. It took me a long time to understand the difference between lots of hours in good hours, because they ain't the same. Yep. You know, the analogy I would use here is that there's that point where just a gargantuan amount of effort is needed, right? You got to apply yourself because you're learning on the job to your point. And that can have a lot to do with just your overall experience in life and work. It can also have a lot to do with the business you're building. If it's something that just has never existed before, there's going to be a learning curve in figuring out how to make that thing real. But the, the analog I would use here, this is probably also a little dated. I don't know if anybody had to do this in the last 20 years. Uh, you remember when you had a manual car and it wouldn't start what you do? You get a couple of friends to run along behind push and then you throw it into <laughs> gear, right? Yeah. That's exactly it, man. But so what we, what we learned later was that what we'd been doing was pushing our car until the point where somebody could pop the clutch and get the engine to fire up. And then we continued pushing the damn thing. Right? There's no reason to continue pushing once the engine's going. And I think that was what we were doing. That's the analog for me, is that despite the fact that things were moving in a way that didn't require that level of input anymore, we were still pushing the car. Right. And just and so, putting in a lot more effort than we needed to. So let's take this from two different angles. One is folks that are just getting started in their career. And they're saying, hey, you know, I, I heard startup, I have to work 100 hours a week, right? That, that must be true, yeah. right? And, and let's pick that one apart. On the other end, let's talk about folks that have been in their career for a long time, a bunch of geezers like us who have been doing it forever and just assume that's the mantra. Right, right. I, I'd like to to dismantle both of those of those structures, right? Because we've done it firsthand and it's it's mind bending. You know, what I did when I was in call it my mid 30s to, to late 30s. Again, I got to this point where I was asking myself, why are, why am I spending the same amount of hours as I did, say, 10 years ago to do essentially the same types of tasks when I already know how to do these tasks? I don't have that extra overhead of not knowing. So having come from the agency world uh, where we track time all the time, which I don't miss whatsoever, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I whipped up an old timesheet and I actually started tracking my time. And I did this for about two weeks and I tracked it in 15-minute increments and I basically just said, where's my time going? I had this theory that where my time was going as far as what was being productive, what was being useful, and how I thought my time was working were going to be a lot right. different. And holy shit, were they a lot different. Here's yeah. what I learned. 
right? And, and I encourage anyone to do this. I don't care if you do it for a day or a week. Find out where your time actually goes. It'll wind up looking something like this. First thing, uh, you'll find that the amount of productive things you get done, like the move the meter type things, two hours. I mean, Ryan, what's your gut tell you on a given day, your absolute move the meter energy and output looks like? I got two to three hours of like what I know are like crystal pure production time. Right. That's it. And but but isn't it interesting to think that our entire careers and everything we've done have essentially hinged on those two hours? Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. it, and, and, and yeah, and yet we've been putting in the other 10 a day. Exactly. Right. And so then I started to say, well, what the fuck happens with the rest of my time? I mean, seriously, like, like um, if, if only two hours were the time yeah. that I wrote something really useful or, or I did some product development or all the different various things that I do, where did the rest of that time go? And, and said differently, why am I not spending it differently? Here's what I learned. If you give someone eight hours to do something, they'll take eight hours to do it, regardless of whether it takes one hour or eight hours, right? Right. I think there is something within us that says, if I have 16 hours that I'm willing to put in today, then what I have to do takes 16 hours. Now, a lot of people are going to push back on that. Like, no, no, no. Yeah, maybe it did for you, you idiot. But uh, for me, it absolutely takes 16 hours. So, yeah. so <laughs> you know, being people who like to test things, we, we tested it, right? And what we found was, and Ryan, you'll remember this crystal clear. The first time we had to force ourselves to be time boxed, was when our kids were born. Yeah. Right? That's where that it was, really, really starts to matter. Then that trade-off in time has a material impact. Right. Up until that point, and, and uh, I was 37. How old were you when you had your first kid? Oh, my goodness. How old 34? was I? 33? 33. Yeah. 33. Yeah. Um, up until that point, 6 o'clock just meant, this is when I'm going to eat my first dinner. I'm going to eat my second one around 9, 9.30, right? But that's <laughs> right. that's the only significance yeah. 6 o'clock had to me, right? right. Now, 6 o'clock is... 6 o'clock is hot dinner time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a great way to put it, right? But but 6 o'clock was just a milestone of, oh, that's when everybody else leaves the office, right? And I didn't think twice about it. The reason I'm bringing this up is because the moment that we had kids, 6 o'clock was what time they ate dinner, right? Yeah. Which means that's what time we were going to go home and eat dinner, which exactly. means... We couldn't mess around anymore, right? We didn't have that luxury anymore where we could say, hey, you know, get home whenever. I'll just, I've, got, I've got four more hours. I'll just you know, burn those off working. All of a sudden, the bell rang and we had to be there. Yep. Yep. So all of a sudden, I get up in the morning and I'm thinking, I don't, I don't have any option to do anything past six o'clock. So whatever needs to get done is getting done by six o'clock. Right, right. Lo and behold... Everything gets done by six o'clock, which <laughs> amazing <laughs> what a little urgency does, isn't it, dude? Oh, I'm thinking to myself the entire time. This is like the first year where my daughter is born, and again, I'm coming home during daylight. By the way, for the first time in my life, right? right. Uh, seeing what traffic looks like, I I didn't know. <laughs> I you learned about sunscreen. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And so, but I I'm driving home, and you know, first week or two, it's crazy because I'm thinking, God, there's all these things I didn't get done. Right. But lo and behold. Within the year, nothing went undone. I basically shaved six hours from 6 p.m. to midnight out of my workday every day 
and it it had no impact whatsoever, right? Well, scary, isn't it? Well, that's what I'm saying. There's there's two ways you could look at that. One way you can look at that and say, hey, well, you know, what a victory. The other way you can look at it is like, boy, that would have been useful information 20 years ago. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, we should have had kids at 19. Is that what you're advocating for? Yeah. <laughs> Some seminal event, right? <laughs> Go back Marty McFly style and, and tell ourselves, right? Yeah. But, but, but I think it evolved a bit. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we started to, to look at our lives. And again, I, and I think this was, this was brought upon us with our families, which was a blessing in more ways than one. Weekends, right? Yeah. Saturday used to be pretty much like like a six to seven hour work day for me. Uh, and I yeah. enjoyed it. It was a day I'm, that I'm we would honest. pretend we were taking off. Yeah, I I actually always really relished uh, my, my weekend work day. And it would, it shifted depending on, on the business there, you know, there was a one point in history where Sunday was my day. I would get up early on Sunday morning, super early, like five 30. And I would spend three or four hours planning out the following week. It was fun, and, right? Yeah. And I loved it because it was, it was, no one else was working. No one else was working, right? Nobody on, on my staff was working. N nobody else would bother me. Very, hardly anybody else was awake. Right? right, and so it was just that me time, and, and as a part-time introvert, um, full-time uh, entrepreneur, I needed some of that time for me, and so I did. I relished that, and uh, little did I know I could have just traded that time out for some other time in the week. But yeah, I did. I liked <laughs> well, that. okay, so this is where it builds. So uh, kids come along, and kids don't get to see as much during the week they want to see on the weekend. You need that time. Once again, you're accounted yep. for, you know, this, this little one-year-old person's about to explain to you how life really works. Right. <laughs> and so, uh, so all of a sudden Saturday, Sunday, I'm not working for the first time in my life. Guess right. what? I guess what doesn't get done. Nothing whatsoever. I don't miss a yep. goddamn thing. Right. That's right. That's right. And so, <laughs> so Monday rolls around and now I've worked from nine to six, uh, well, that's not fair, a little bit earlier than nine, but the, yeah, honestly, it yeah. doesn't matter. And then not at all on the weekends for the first time. And guess what? Right. Every urgent thing that needed to get done just got done in a shorter period of time, right? It's magic. Right. Because for the first time, we were time boxed, right? In a very literal way. We, we, yeah, yeah. we didn't have more hours, right? And all of a sudden, things got compressed, when I did that little timesheet exercise, and man, it sticks in my head all the time. All the time that you spend, you being listener, everybody, you know, their founders, et cetera, fucking around on social media, right? Uh, looking up cat memes, <laughs> doing all this stuff that we all, <laughs> whether we realize it or not, wind up doing uh, throughout yeah. the day. If those things get taken out and it get replaced with actual productivity, you usually don't need that many hours. and Ryan, you and I talked about this a little bit. The number of hours that that, that our staff is putting in right now, and I, I mean this as a compliment, is probably, I'm guessing, 30 to 33 hours per week. And it varies. Some folks are working more. I'm saying uh, yep. uh, on average, especially around required hours, as far as, you know, yes. Elsa Bell when folks are required. Yep. 30 to 33 hours a week. I, I did the math a couple different ways. On a, on a roughly 200-person company and an eight-figure business. And we move fast. Right. Yep. It's it, it's not like you know we're running nationwide insurance and we're just running the business that was started a hundred <laughs> years ago, you know? Yeah, right. Um, we build so much stuff so fast. And everyone assumes our teams are ten times bigger than they are. Everyone assumes that we're putting in more hours, and we don't. Yeah. But dude, we're militant about our efficiency. Yeah. And you have to be. 
right? And I think that's that's where it comes from. Interestingly enough, the the other stuff that creeps into the workday, I would argue, happens when people are working too much or when they're trying to make it look like they're working too much, right? Because again, mentally, the cycles that we're asking people to put in, right? They're not turning screws, right? They're making new things, whether they're designing a new layout or or building a new component for the site or coming up with a new product for one of our consulting offerings. This is deep cerebral stuff, okay. right? It's and And so, you know, they'll resort to Facebook at some point, not because they're lazy, not because they don't want to work, but because they don't have the mental energy at that point to put in more of those cycles. So they need that release. They need that time. And if they're made to look like they're working 12 hours a day, that stuff's going to creep in, right? Out of necessity, uh, not, not out of any, any sloth or laziness, right? And so I think it's really important when you start seeing that kind of stuff creep in and it becomes apparent that it's happening uh, to do things like the exercise you suggested. And work journaling is something that I have everybody on my team do periodically, not on a regular basis, because I, I like to, to be a bit of a surprise. Um, and it almost always comes after some discussion around like, oh, I'm feeling, I'm feeling burnt out. How can I get some more hours back in the day? It's like, well, let's, let's look at really how you're spending your days. And I always have them tell me how they're spending their days first. Right. And I do the same thing. I'll write out how I think I'm spending my days. I want you to spend, I want you to spend the next week. I know it's going to mean a little bit less productivity, but I want you to document everything you do at the time that you do it for the next week. And two things happen every time. One, where they thought they were spending their time is not even close to where the hours were actually being spent in most cases. Right. No and surprise. two, we find a lot of fluff and things where, or they were spending their time on something that was of lower value, but they're spending an inordinate amount of time on it. It's like, okay, well, if you need more time back in your week, let's do less of this and more of this. And so taking time to really do that analysis on how the time is spent will, will point out really, again, how you're spending it and whether you're spending it as efficiently and on the things that matter the most. And, and the reality is that even when we're pretty good at this, and I would argue that you and I are both pretty good about how we use our time, you're always going to find inefficiencies. Every time you revisit this, there's always going to be something else you can do to tighten that up a bit. I've got basically three modes that, that I work in as far as efficiency of time, right? The, t the top, that, that two-hour peak, and, and Ryan, let's, let's face it, man, two hours is a good day. <laughs> that, that, that presumes yeah. we slept, we're healthy, yep. whatever, you know, um, <laughs> wh wh where I can, do, I remember those days. Yeah. <laughs> what I can do for like peak creative, right. You know, that's the top tier for me. And I'm always trying to yeah. optimize my day for that. But my, my best two hours are typically between 7am and 9am, right. As, as you would expect, you know, uninter uninterrupted, et cetera, kind of fresh mind, what have you before the, the day gets a hold of me. My next tier after that are, are communications. Uh, that's what yeah. I'm just talking to folks. That could be a partner call. It could be business development. It could be a media interview, time with my staff, whatever, right? Just, just where I need to be present. I need to be focused in the conversation. My mind needs to be spinning yeah. about what's going on, but I, I, I can't mess around. But it's not the same as that, like burning my brain at, at a top yes. cerebral level for that top tier. And it's funny because that's exactly the kind of stuff I was thinking about, right? When I was talking yeah. about those two to three peak hours, that's me building, creating, generating something new. Non-peak is exactly stuff like this, right? It's meetings. It's reviewing others' people, other people's works, responding to questions and emails and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the third tier for me is it's just mindless work, 
right? Like I'm processing an invoice or, you know, I'm just responding to an email <laughs> yep. that like he's going to require no brain power whatsoever, right? Yeah. Yes. No, I it's, don't want to hire you. Bye. Yeah, no, you know, just a million things, just stupid clerical things that need to be done, you know, et cetera. But what's worked really well for me and what's allowed me, and I'm, I'm hoping others, to start to, to shave as many bullshit hours out of my day as possible is yep. to optimize my days around those three tiers. And it kind of, for me, it's sequential. The, the first couple hours in the morning are always my, my peak productivity times. Said differently, some of my biggest productive things are, are either ideation around product or you know writing articles and a lot of the stuff we cover in our podcasts. I've never written one after lunch. <laughs> ever right? yeah right like I, i've just chicken parm just cuts off those creative yeah i mean i mean for as horrible as horrible i probably eat at lunch but look man that's no longer my productivity time right so i don't pretend yeah. it is i think part of the part of the trap we get ourselves into is thinking that we've got this straight line productivity right yeah that yeah. as long as we're awake and we call ourselves working that our productivity is the same i i'm like I don't, i've abandoned that that altogether i'm saying Anything that's going to be super highly intellectual that needs to get done by me has to get done by 10 o'clock because there's almost no chance it's getting done after that. After that, any yeah, of my yeah. meetings, my Slack chats, my whatever I need to do, I need to basically do the, the height of those by about 2 or 3 o'clock. As of 3 o'clock, from that till 6 o'clock, it's all clerical. It's all stuff that requires as little brain power as possible. I don't even attempt to do the, to do the high you know, cerebral stuff at that those hours. And I don't mess around with, with clerical stuff at 9 a.m., right? No, as you shouldn't, yeah. So, but, but here's the difference. In the past, I didn't have that kind of organization, right? I just did yep. whatever I needed to do at whatever point in the day I thought I needed to do it. And I thought the results were going to be the same. Here's what right, happened. Right. I'd try to write an article. I'd try to do something creative at 3 o'clock. My brain was working at 50%. It would either be shitty or it would take a really long time where I would get distracted and be on, you know, the equivalent of Facebook or something, right? Because I was mismanaging my time. I was mismanaging my energy, right? Yes. And I think and that's the key right me. there. And I think I think that's the one that takes a little bit longer to figure out. It did for me, right? I, I kind of figured out, like, I think we all know, like, what our high-value tasks are, or we should know what those are. Sure. Right? And so I think that trying to structure those to the most important parts today, I think it's figuring out what those key times of day are, uh, that, that really matter. And I think those vary a little bit for people. You know, I, I know, I know some folks that like, they're really good. They're really energetic after like, they'll do like lunch and then a, a lunch workout. And then they've got some like really peak hours in that afternoon. That is not me. And, and admittedly you've said not you, but I think it varies. And I think that you need to be able to map those energy levels well, to those high value tasks, right? Well, there's another side of it. It's because if you don't, and you start burning all of these extra hours, right? All these startup hours that you're so proud of putting in. Yep. You don't get any chance to recover, yeah. right? The one thing that shocked the hell out of me, I didn't see it coming. It's so obvious when I explained it, but I didn't see it coming. When I turned life off at six o'clock, business life, and just focused on family life at six o'clock, when I stopped working on weekends, I actually recharged for the first time in my life. I'd run an empty yep. for so long that it didn't occur to me what recharging could even be. Right? Sure. I, just, I just assumed it. You just yeah. run on... And that has, a real, that has a real impact because at some point, you have no peak hours. You're working 50 point. hours a week with zero of, of the high time, right? And, and that has a real, real 
fast diminishing return. It, it does. And so to your point, you're never getting the peak hours back, right? If yeah. I say that, that my peak hours are between 7 and 9 a.m., that's cool. But if I'm fried at 7 to 9 a.m. because I've been burning myself out night after night, then what's the point, yep. right? Now, yeah. it, it's worth maybe throwing a few caveats out there. Sometimes the only answer is a fuck ton of hours, right? <laughs> yep. I mean, sometimes that's the only answer, right? If there's an it, endless sea of clerical work that has to get done, sometimes you just have to put in the hours and get that shit out of the way, right? All just kinds has to of happen. stuff. Something's time sensitive, right? We just found a competitor is about to release a feature. And the only way we're going to be able to get it out before them in a meaningful way is to work more hours, right? I mean, Wait, who? <laughs> Let's just stop what we're doing and go get attack that. No, but seriously, like the, there is a time for red alert mode, right? And so for sure. not taking that off the table. The problem is, I think, is we think it's always red alert mode and we let our efficiency run by the wayside. And I think, yes. God, I wish I knew it sooner, right? Um, yeah, for sure. Who knows how much healthier I'd be, you know, uh, given that time. Right. Um, Something else I came across, Will, in, in terms yeah. of the prioritization of work and getting these things like the peak energy, peak hours, and, and this worked out well for, for, for me and for you, ours are in the morning, which I think is, is really helpful for a number of reasons. One of the things I started doing was making sure that things I was doing towards the end of the day were less critical tasks for two reasons. One, I wasn't at the right level of energy to get them done well. Number two, it made it easier to walk away from them. So that I could actually stop when I do that. If I'm working on something critical and I'm saying I'm going to do that from, you know, four until six and I'm only halfway through it, guess what? I'm working till eight because I'm going to finish it. I'm not going to stop in the middle of something critical sure. just because I know I, I should or need to, right? The other thing that I found that was hugely impactful was then after I did walk away from it, it didn't haunt me. Because <laughs> that was the other thing that would happen right. when I right. try to force myself. So, you know, like when when you know when when my first was born, when Hannah was born, I did start cutting myself off. I was like, okay, I got to stop now because I need to go. I need to go. You know, rock the baby, sing the baby, get the baby to sleep, do whatever, bather. All those things happen, and my mind was still racing on this critical task that I hadn't completed. And so, I think that in order to accomplish this and feel good about it, it's important to kind of ramp your day down. And that's what I found now. So like the stuff that I do towards the end of the day tends to be a little more analytical. I'm, I'm kind of like, it's a little more exploratory. It's things that if paused, there's no, there's no hard limit to coming back to them. There's no, there's no barrier to reentering that at some other point. And there's nobody sitting and waiting for it. Agreed. And, and you know, what's interesting about it is when we look at how we set those hours, Ryan, right? You know, how we kind of look at our own hours and our own productivity, I think one of the things that we hadn't considered is once we changed our approach to it, think of how that affected the rest of our staff, right? The rest of our oh, team. Yeah. Big time. You know, this reminds me of when, when Elon Musk was in the, the press recently and he was talking about how he's working 80 to 100 hours and he wants the team to push the same and the Tesla team is pushing for 100 hours. Now, mind you, they're going out of business. So <laughs> that's yeah, maybe, that. maybe the extra hours is the answer, right? <laughs> um, yeah. but, but he's basically saying... This is the, the tone that I want to set for the whole organization. I think what happened for us, because, you know, I know we came into it with the guns blazing work 100 hours, crush it kind of mentality, yep. is that once we allowed ourselves to kind of dial back, it allowed everyone else to refocus as well. And lo and behold, and this is, this is the kicker, 
we're more productive than we've ever been. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, because the, the, the focus shift productive to productivity yeah. and output, because it sets such an interesting message for the team. If they see, Hey, these guys do check out at six o'clock at night, but they also got everything they said they were going to do done that week. Therefore I should do the same. Right. If all they right. see is, ah, what we value here is everybody stays as late as they can. We try to make it look like we're doing something until the, you know, the, the founding team leaves. And then we go with them to prove that, you know, we were here with you the entire time, whether I was doing jack shit or otherwise. It's that's the wrong message, right? The, the right, right message is let's figure out what needs to get accomplished this week. Let's find the right times to do that work. Let's get it done. And if there's still some hours left in the day, we'll find some other stuff to do, right? You've, you've made a great point in the past around just like at least having that one thing you're going to knock off, right? And being right. militant about getting that thing done. And that's that peak, peak piece, right? And I think that not only does that help you get more done in a week, but accomplishing something gives me more energy, right? So if I want to talk about how do I increase my peak productivity hours, it's by making sure I'm spending them on stuff that actually matters and getting that one really good thing done. And I'm going to have more energy to go and do the next thing because I'm pumped up about what I just got done, right? If I'm spending hours and hours mindlessly droning through stuff I don't want to be working on and I don't necessarily need to be, it's going to have the opposite effect. Agreed. And that now, so, so let's imagine for a second that we've got two ends of the spectrum. We've got one end of the spectrum where an entrepreneur is saying, well, can I do the Tim Ferriss four-hour work week? <laughs> you know, if you, what you guys are saying is you need so few hours, uh -huh. then you know, you know, maybe that's what it takes. Maybe Tim has it figured out, the irony being you it's can. Like the hardest work. There's a reason there's quotes around the four-hour work week. It's because it's not real. It's, it's a four-hour work week times 10 and a half. Right, right. So, so imagine the other end of the spectrum, of course, is the Jack Ma 100-plus-hour work week until you die, right? Yes, <laughs> which will happen sooner. Yeah, also true, right? And so uh, the, the folks listening to the podcast are thinking, well, you know, which is it? Am I supposed to be hard charging work all the hours? Because that's kind of probably what I'm doing now. Or am I, am I supposed to work this like 10 hours a week and feel amazing about it? Okay. I'm saying it's, it's neither of those. What I'm suggesting in Ryan, what I think we're building toward here is you need to figure out what are the least amount of productive hours you can work. Right. I mean, what I mean by that is how many productive hours do you have? That should be what you're optimizing toward. Right. Yeah, exactly. The other hours that you need, which are the non-productive hours, you put in as you need to, but only when you need to. The focus shouldn't be how many hours I put in. The focus should be how few hours can I put in most productively. So where this all gets interesting to me is a lot of people will look at their staff and they're all there at eight o'clock, nine o'clock, whenever, right? And and if you're like me. You're proud of seeing that. You're proud of seeing the commitment. You know, uh, Jen's here till, till nine o'clock. I'm so proud of her commitment, right? That's the wrong question. The right, question right, right. you should be asking Jen is, why the fuck are you still here till nine o'clock? Like, what did you do so inefficiently today that you still have to be here, right? Those extra hours should be considered a concern, not, not a high five, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and if, if her response, well, I just had so much to do. I'm so committed. I'm so overloaded. And I'm like, are you? You know, <laughs> right. I mean, let's, let's look at how you motor through work and what decisions you're making. Because if it takes you 16 hours a day to do your job, are you sure you're doing it right? <laughs> there's, there's, there's the, that's where that work journaling comes in man because depending on who you're talking to they may not know right if it's a first time founder they may just have no idea right or if it's if it's an employee um and they've they've been thrust into a new role they may just not know how to optimize stuff yet and sometimes you're and just too close to it 
you got to lean back, right? And if you don't take the time to lean back, uh, because you're already spending 16 hours a day working, you're like, well, I don't have time to lean back. Yes, you do. And you need to. Um, what I think we've done a good job within the startups.com organization is, is we've really measured output, not input, right? Right. I don't care how many hours you're putting in. I care how much shit you're getting done. Yes, exactly. And so we measure week to week over raw output, specifically, what did you get done? We're, we're, we're very, uh, stringent about here's what we said we'll do at the beginning of the week. Here's what got done by the end of the week. And if, if something comes off the rails, if something doesn't get done, of course the question is why, but we never think about it in terms of, well, you just didn't put in enough hours. Maybe that's true. You know, maybe yeah, sometimes that's the be. case. Usually it's not, right? Usually it's, uh, you didn't communicate well enough, so you yeah. went down a rabbit hole in the task. Yeah. Sometimes it's, you got distracted by something that shouldn't have been important, and yet it, yeah. you know, it, and yet it kept you from doing it. Complexity the task was higher than hours. you thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it goes so many, so many different ways. But what we've consistently found, and this is, you know, we're a fairly good-sized organization now. We've been around for a while, and, and you and I have done this in many other companies to compare it to. All hours aren't the same. It, at best, we've probably got a core nugget of 30 hours per week per person to manage to get peak output, and everything else is some version of chafe that we should be really concerned about. Exactly. That's a wrap for this episode of the Startup Therapy Podcast. This is Ryan Rutan on behalf of my partner, Will Schroeder, and all the Startups.com family thanking you for joining us. And we hope you'll continue to join us. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on iTunes or wherever you love to listen to Startup Therapy. You can find all of our episodes at startups.com slash podcast. If you're looking for more amazing resources to launch or grow your startup, be sure to head to startups.com and check out Startups Unlimited. It's everything we have to offer from our online university to our amazing community of experts and founders, and even all the tools we've built like BizPlan, Fundable, and LaunchRock. It's everything a founder needs. Visit startups.com slash begin. That's startups.com slash B-E-G-I-N. You'll thank me later. Thank you.